All right, welcome back to Rock Video Rental. I am Kilb, and as always, with me is Brandon. And this week, we are doing a movie review of a submarine naval film from 1995, Crimson Tide. As you no doubt heard, my exo has appendicitis. Your name was at the top of the list. That's good to know, sir. It was a short list. There's trouble in Russia. So they called us. And we're going over there and bringing the most lethal killing machine ever devised. The last time we hit this state of emergency was 32 and a half years ago during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So this is what it's all about, gentlemen. It's what we train for. Submerge the ship. Diving officers, submerge the ship. Make your depth 150 feet. On the 1MC. Dive, dive. This year... We have a properly formatted emergency action message from National Command Authority. What we've always known... Bravo, Echo, Echo, Charlie, Alpha... ...becomes what we've always feared. Telling this to the captain, Russian rebels have threatened to launch against our country and are fueling right now. This is not a drill. Now... Sir, we have a possibly submerged submarine. You find out who that is. Receiving emergency action message. Recommend alert one. The battle for survival begins. That's a message fragment. Sir, we don't know what this message means. Our target package could have changed. I've made a decision. There's no place for fear. He's lost his nerve. I'd rather go down myself and get this one wrong. There's no room for mistakes. If we launch and we're wrong, what's left of Russia is going to launch at us. I'm captain of this boat. I don't have to think this over. There's no time for doubt. Missile systems ready to launch in six minutes. You repeat this order or I'll find somebody who will. How no, you won't, sir. And nothing can stop the tide. And so jumping right into it, this movie is directed by Tony Scott and features great actors such as Denzel Washington as Hunter and the greatest actor to ever play Wolverine, Gene Hackman. (laughs) (laughs) A little uh, inside joke there that we talked about in the show before, but Gene Hackman as Ramsey, and then you have... Matt Craven as Zimmer, Vigo Mortensen as Weps, and James Gandolfini, and many more who are recognizable and quite the cast, actually, when you kind of stop to look at it. So, oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned too that Ricky Schroeder is in it as Rick Schroeder. <laughs> Schroeder. <laughs> Trying to distance himself from. Silver Spoons. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Steve Zahn has kind of a minor role, too. Yeah. He's an was... actor I always enjoy and stuff. Yeah, this I feel like this was that was pretty early for him in this movie. Yeah, it really is. So, <clears throat> um, and mentioning that it's directed by Tony Scott, uh, this is... If you're unaware, Tony Scott also did Days of Thunder, Enemy of the State, Beverly Hills Cops 2, Top Gun. I thought I had one more. That was another pop, Man on Fire. So he's been around with uh, Tom Cruise, Gene Hackman, and Denzel Washington several times over. Um, it was pretty interesting because I uh, I knew a couple of those, but I didn't realize all of them. So he's got quite the list of movies he's directed. And then the uh, we'll get right into it. The 
story is a nuclear missile sub has a young first officer who stages a mutiny to prevent his trigger-happy captain from launching his missiles before confirming his orders to do so. And I'm going to... We'll get into that because I have some questions around that because a <laughs> little bit of it doesn't make sense. But then again, at the same time, for more of a backstory, this is... um between a not a war but a crisis between the united states and the soviet union and they played out that the soviet union has a not a dictator but a political or war leader who has taken over a military base and is threatening nuclear holocaust as they reference many times during the movie and so the U.S. has taken action to be ready to strike first. So uh, as you would expect a movie like this to start out, it starts at a kid's birthday party. Um, but that is of no importance because things quickly progress to where they get called out to send a submarine captain by Gene Hackman and... They actually have to bring on a new first officer who is played by Denzel Washington. So the scenario is that these two have never commanded together before. But it's a state of emergency, so they get put together and they go out with their crew. And then they are staged and ready to getting ready to fire missiles if need be. And they run across an enemy submarine and they're going through and everybody trades shots back and forth as exciting that is in every submarine movie and damage is taken and during that time communication breaks down and they had received orders to fire their nuclear weapons but then they received a partial message which could have canceled their orders or confirmed them and that's essentially where this whole movie pivots on. Because, as they said, the trigger-happy Captain Ramsey, played by Gene Hackman, goes by default of saying, we take our last orders and we fire the missiles. Where Denzel Washington, and it's been established already that he's kind of the... I don't want to say free thinker, but more of the person of logic... Like mm-hmm. he tries to break things down and think of, okay, what, what's the right thing to do? Not like, what were we told to do? What's, what's the right thing to do? And so that completely butts, head, uh, butts heads with Gene Hackman, which actually they do a really fantastic job of setting it up. I mean, they do it from the very beginning where they set the tone of Gene Hackman being the old school um you know, iron horse military leader doesn't waver. You do what I say. We act on orders. That's how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. And then Denzel Washington, uh, through a couple of scenes leading up to this point, um, they've kind of established that he is a very uh, level headed. And as I said, kind of a logical thinks through the process type person. So, since this communication breakdown has happened, Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington have to both agree on what their course of action is. And as I alluded to when we were doing the description of the movie, they said that Denzel Washington, the first officer, stages a mutiny. This is where it gets a little confusing because Gene Hackman essentially starts things off by trying to, for better or worse, fire um, Hunter or Denzel Washington from his job Mm -hmm. so that he could replace him with somebody who essentially will not defy him. Yeah, someone he can just use as a yes man. (laughs) Yes, and uh, it kind of goes a little bit against the way that Gene Hackman was presenting himself where he said, I don't, I don't want a yes man. Uh, but I also don't want, as he put it, 
I, I think he said it word for word, uh, kiss ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very, uh, well, I shouldn't say very, but quite, uh, peculiar and bizarre a little bit in that notion, but he did recognize the importance of this is a military regiment. We need to both be on the same page and we can't allow things to get in the way, which this completely goes against that. So Gene Hackman goes against military protocol and tries to fire Denzel Washington and other officers in the ship recognize that Denzel is actually taking the proper procedures. And since Gene Hackman is out of line, Denzel commands that he be relieved from his command and the officers follow Denzel Washington's lead. Some you can tell agree with it, some don't. And that's where everything kind of pivots because you have the ship divided, or I guess you would say the bridge uh, divided with the officers between those who side with Gene Hackman, who has always been the captain of the boat, and those who understand that Denzel Washington is, for better or worse, following proper procedures. Um, <clears throat> and so they're still trying to get communications back during uh, this time that a Russian or Soviet sub is still trying to hunt them down. They go back and forth and run across the sub. They wind up sinking the sub and making it back. And they only have a little bit of time before they were informed that Soviet Union was going to shoot off the nuclear weapons. So there is a time crunch with this. And they're trying to get the radio back up and running so they can confirm their orders. <clears throat> and so then comes what I feel like is the actual mutiny because Gene Hackman has some of the uh, officers on the bridge help him by force with weapons, remove Denzel Washington and essentially anybody who agreed with him. Mm -hmm. And then there's a split between um, a lot of the, the crew of the submarine. Yeah. Yep. At that point, when it, when it, when, as I said, the real mutiny happens, um, cause it, a mutiny defined, cause I'm looking this up cause I'm trying to, under, I want to make it clear. It says is an open rebellion against the proper authorities, especially by soldiers or sailors against their officers. So in my opinion, what Denzel Washington did was not a rebellion against proper authority. It was more of like a proper procedure. You can't go all, you know, rogue. Yeah. All rogue and dictatorship on this thing. Um, so that in my, in my view, of course, I'm, I do not have a military, back, military background. Maybe somebody <gasps> who's in the military, <laughs> except for in the army of awesome. Um, <laughs> played a lot of call of duty. Does that count? <laughs> um, and I sucked at that too, but, uh, but that didn't seem like a, a mutiny and maybe somebody could, uh, correct me. I, I was thinking about asking somebody, but there was nobody that, uh, I could think of in the past couple of days that I feel like would have known for sure. But anyways, so by their definition, mutiny number two happened. As you said, Brandon, the ship is divided. Best friends on opposite sides of this um, all across the ship. And so now they're trying to get back into a position to be able to fire the missiles. And one thing that you need to understand with how it's set up, and they explain it in the movie, is that there are several procedures that have to happen for the missiles to be able to fire. Um, there's obviously like firing keys that need to be put into place. Uh, things need to be unlocked. Codes need to be entered and you have to do that on the bridge and in the weapons room. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Denzel Washington before, uh, Gene Hackman, um, and his group retook the ship 
he kind of prepared for it and told one of the ship on, I don't even know if it was an officer, but a, a sailor on the ship and gave him keys to anywhere in the ship and was just like, hey, if something goes down, you need to come and get us. And so they're prepared to host another mutiny. And in doing so, when Denzel gets released, he tries to talk to his friend in the weapons room and is just like, hey, you know this isn't right. Don't go through with this. So Denzel is in position to retake the ship again. Gene Hackman goes to fire the missiles and it doesn't work. Because uh, Vigo Mortensen, who's Denzel Washington's friend in the weapons room, mm-hmm. uh, who's playing Weps, has decided not to unlock and activate the missiles. So that causes Gene Hackman to leave and go to the weapons room. Denzel retakes the bridge and shuts things down from the bridge. And during that time is probably the craziest moment during the movie. Yeah. Where Gene Hackman completely loses it. <laughs> Which he does a fantastic... Like, everybody does a fantastic job in this movie. But, yeah, Gene Hackman being the old warhorse and set in his ways, you're not gonna... You know, you're, not, you're never gonna stop me. He first threatens and puts a gun to Wep's head, Viggo Mortensen, and says, you need to activate the weapons now, unlock uh, the safe so we can activate the weapons. Then he stops himself, realizing if I kill you, then we'll never get the safe open. So he turns to a random crew member who um, was standing nearby, grabs him, and puts the gun to his head, and he's just like, okay, you know the code, this guy doesn't, if you don't unlock that in three seconds, I'm going to shoot this guy in the head. So slightly overboard. <laughs> and Webs gives in. He activates everything. But by the time that's all set up and Gene Hackman tries to fire the weapons from the weapons room, Denzel Washington shuts down the bridge and removes the firing key. So mutiny number three, Gene Hackman and his guys go back to the bridge and still no radio contact. So they go and have a face-off, and there's, I don't know, something like seven minutes left until the Russians are going to be able to launch their missiles. And the radio almost gets working. So Gene Hackman, being as crazy as he is, says, okay, I'll give you three minutes. And then... One of the weirdest scenes out of the whole movie is that everybody kind of chills out and sits and talks together. And Gene Hackman acts like nothing's going on. <laughs> he Calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. Yeah. He starts picking up a conversation that um, he and Denzel Washington had earlier in the movie about horses. Mm-hmm. And just just like nothing is going on. And as time is running down, the radio gets fixed and the message comes through. So uh, the climax of the movie, the message is fully received. It's printed out. They're authenticating it. They look at it. Nobody says what it is. Gene Hackman has the message and then he makes an announcement to the entire ship that... They're ordered to cancel their launch of their own missiles. And it turns out that the Russian base was taken over. The Soviet base was taken over by uh, the actual Russian army. Uh, not the, um, oh, what, what do I want to say? Not the regime. They took over the regime. Mm-hmm. who's was trying to um, take over the Russian government. So the Russian government retook the military base and shut down the missile launch. And so if Gene Hackman had his way, he would have launched a nuclear missile at 
Russia when they were already under control. Essentially causing World War Three is mm-hmm. what they were leading up to in the movie. And Denzel Washington was right. Gene Hackman was uh, in the wrong. Oddly enough, they go then to the end of the movie, which is where they're having the what you might say is the trial of the uh, the ship officers to kind of figure out what happened, who's right, who's wrong, and things like yeah. that. Um, and they kind of reprimand Denzel Washington, uh, which is a little weird. I mean, they say that he's he was right, but he was also wrong. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of like, I didn't really understand if they were saying that he was wrong, like what would have been the right thing to do? Because if he was wrong and he didn't do what he did, then they would have fired the missiles. So did did you get under an understanding from their explanation on like what should have been different? I mean, I understand that the mutiny kind of shouldn't have happened, but at the same time, it's just there was there was no other way. Yeah, I think what they're saying is that basically he fit in some kind of weird limbo or like loophole where, you know, what he he ended up being right this time. But if he would have been wrong, it would have been really wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, That's I, and... really what I took from it. Like, yeah, he was right, but he could have been wrong. But he also was could have been right. And it's just kind of like, I guess, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess that's what they were going for. Because essentially what I look at it is just like, Gene Hackman was just straight up wrong. I mean, like, it's just like in that situation, it's just like if you don't have the orders in a situation like that where you're going to be launching nuclear weapons. Yeah. And you potentially have orders where you are told not to launch or potentially to launch. And Denzel Washington explained at some point, like the military has it set up so that if the launch doesn't happen from them, that there's a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Like there's a second submarine out there that will, you know, take over their orders. Um, which seems like it would make sense, but yeah, that was just a huge cluster. And, you know, cause if Denzel didn't do what he did, it would have been world war three and it would have been an entire mess. Um, they actually give a uh, additional information at the end of the movie because um, there was some information. Uh, where where was it? I had it up here. Um, that this was based off of some real incidents with the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, but with a Soviet submarine. That there, there are some similarities there. I don't have any more information on, you know, exactly how, you know, true or how much of the story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, they. So at the end of it, they had a blurb about how it is no longer the capability of a ship captain to fire nuclear missiles. That's actually something that is remotely connected to. Um, maybe not specifically Washington DC, but essentially it like would come direct, yeah, it would come directly from the president wherever he is. So uh which after you watch this movie would make complete sense. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So uh very intense movie, a bit different for a submarine movie. Um because usually when I think of submarine movies, I think, you know, Das Boot, U-571, those where it's kind of straightforward. Hey, we're in a submarine. We're going to shoot down other subs and battleships and things like that. Um, there is a little bit of that. But the main thing was this communication and leadership breakdown aboard a nuclear submarine. And this is, for me, I know I've not seen all the submarine movies out there but this in my opinion 
is the best submarine movie. Um, just that the story is unique. The acting is phenomenal. And I thoroughly enjoy watching it every time I do. I watched it several weeks ago uh, just to rewatch it and then rewatch uh, watch it again to be able to do this movie review. Enjoyed the whole thing. So I know that this is a little different because it was your first time watching the movie. Brandon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my first time watching it. Um, I've, I planned on watching it before. And it's one of those things, you know, it was on a streaming platform. I went to watch it. It was gone. Um, yeah. One of those classic things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like you said, the acting is really good in it. Um, I mean, you can't really go wrong with Gene Hackman and, Denzel Washington. Oh yeah. And even the supporting cast too, like we mentioned, uh, I actually messaged you while I was watching. It's like, Oh man, James Gandolfini's in this mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as uh Lieutenant Doherty. Um, yeah, he's another actor that I, I really enjoy when he's done things. Uh, I mentioned before on the show that I watched the Sopranos. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just, he plays, He's really good at playing a guy that you love to hate. And, you know, no difference in this movie, too. Uh, And he mentioned Viggo Mortensen's in this. Even, like, really, really small roles in this. Like, I don't know if you realize, but Ryan Felipe is in it. No, I didn't realize that. It's just, like, a really small character named Seaman Gratham. (laughs) And, like, I didn't even recognize him, and I had to, like, I had to... I'm looking through the cast and I had to Google it. I'm like, oh, that's who he was. Uh, another character is Scott Grimes, who I actually did recognize him. He was Petty Officer Hilaire. Uh, he, <laughs> there's no way you would have recognized him, maybe by his voice, because uh, he did a lot of voices for American Dad. He does the voice of Steve. Okay. Um, I recognize him because I watched this movie not too long ago and he was in Critters 2. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, like Rad Daly is in it. Um, Sean O'Brien's another one, too. Just a lot of, like, character actors, but strong character actors. Uh, the last one I'll make mention of, did you recognize who um, that Russian leader was? Um, I know you've been rewatching Seinfeld lately. Uh, he played the character Vladimir Rachenko. I think I think I recognized him. His, I'm having a time, hard time picturing him right now. The actor's name was uh he he passed away a couple of years ago. The actor's name is Daniel Von Pargen. Okay. He played Mr. Kruger, George Costanza's boss later in the series of Seinfeld. Okay. Probably George's most memorable boss aside from George Steinbrenner. Nice. <laughs> Uh, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh man, that's Mr. Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll always just be Mr. Kruger to me. Uh, but yeah, another guy that's just like a great character actor that shows up in a lot of things. Uh, Seinfeld was actually full of actors like that, just playing like recurring characters that were just great character actors. Um, but yeah, I mean, the spotlight of this movie is just the back and forth and like almost just battle acting mm-hmm. between Denzel and uh, Hackman. Yeah. And it's really just impressive watching these two guys go head to head. Yeah. And actually you'll, you notice, uh, well, the more you watch it, the more you'll notice, like even the really small, subtle things that they do, like a shift when they're talking to each other, and like a little discomfort or something where you can tell like the other person said something that got to them. And yeah, it's just, just really good. The more you watch it because you pick up on little subtle things where it's just like, Oh, you know, you didn't notice it the first time, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it where it's essentially just an acting battle back and forth between the two. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed just from watching, I've watched a lot of, Denzel Washington movies like just in the last few months mm-hmm. uh, things I've noticed with him is that he is really good with dialogue um, 
just in a way like he always has like a certain intensity, but at the same time you feel you'd feel like comfortable talking to him if that makes sense. Yeah. Um the way like what he does is dialogue and he's like explaining things or being very matter of fact. Uh, it's hard to explain, but if you like watch his movies and pay attention to how he delivers his lines, mm-hmm. it's like it's a very authentic way that he comes across as a person you really don't want to cross, but at the same time he's relatable and yeah. kind of an understanding like good person. Yeah, and ones that really make me think of that is. Uh, that I've watched lately is he got game. He does an amazing job in that. Um, and training day. Oh yeah. Just like the line delivery. Um, and ones that really stand out to me in this movie is where he has the conversation with the, um, guy about the silver server. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, a fact, I guess here that I didn't put in facts. I just saw it. Um, that, part of dialogue was written by quentin tarantino okay all right dude i was actually just gonna say that there was a lot of quentin tarantino feeling in this movie because it was very dialogue heavy yeah Um, very dialogue heavy and very like common everyday conversations that are just thrown away and mean nothing to the plot yeah and um that that is interesting. I did not realize that, and I didn't look that deep into. It. I should have, um, but that's gr- a great thing to note because, yeah, th- and that's why I say that this is a unique submarine movie because it is more about the relationships and dynamics between the characters than, uh, you know, a submarine that it's happening on a submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me think of, you know, just Quentin Tarantino movies. Like, yeah, there's all this cool stuff going on, but a lot of it, the memorable stuff that comes, it comes down to is the dialogue and how strong it is in the movie. Oh yeah, for sure. The dialogue is definitely one of the stronger parts in the movie. And you know, you mentioned that it's more focused on the real, like the, back and forth between the two characters more than what it is a movie in a submarine. Cause there's times where, like when they're talking and you're getting drawn into the conversation, um, that you kind of forget that they're in a submarine to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I found myself, um, forgetting that they're in a submarine a lot of the time. Yeah. And they did, uh, and kind of on, on that part there, the filming of this movie was really great. I mean, it's it's staged and set up and everything so they uh <clears throat> they can get some really great shots in uh quote unquote you know submarine but you know between the dynamic dialogue that goes on between the characters and even just kind of some subtle things that i mean they're kind of typical in submarine movies but because of this being such a back and forth um and so much happening on the bridge, there's kind of like a upper, uh, a step up captain's area on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times you'll see Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman switch places. And it's the whole, like who has control, uh, power. And it's where they, f- they film it from too, that they do a really cool job with. And then, uh, they did a, f- even though, as we just said, it focuses on the dynamics between these two characters. It's still a submarine movie, and they did a great job with that, um, with um, doing the shots of the submarine in the the submarines in the ocean, and just all throughout the ship. Because there are some action shots, there is some fighting, and there's actually a fire that takes place on the ship. Um, so, yeah. Uh, not a lot of, I guess you would say, uh, special effects, but there are a few things. Uh, there's the fire, and then there's some um, water that gets on the ship, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy, I think probably 
if memory serves me right, the time that things kind of get the most into uh, special effects and a lot going on is there's a, a water pipe that bursts and smashes into someone. <sighs> um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, a lot of talking and back and forth. So. Yeah, um, this movie does a really great job of kind of like exploring the whole space of the the submarine itself. Mm-hmm. Gives you kind of like an idea of every area of it, every room, um, the size of it. And yeah, I don't know if you, have you ever been in a submarine? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. Um, man, those things are really tight quarters. Yes, they are. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I could. I could do that. I think that, you know, it takes a special person to be able to be in one of those, especially like hundreds of feet under the surface. Of yeah. The well, the, even but beyond that, like I, it'd be one thing, um, to be on that and, you know, take a trip out, go deep in the water I don't know if I, I don't know, like, it'd be interesting. I don't know if I could do it, but the thing that goes beyond that is the extended period of time you are underneath the water with no sunlight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I can't, I cannot imagine that in my mind. So. Yeah. And just the idea of like, hmm, well, I can't really go anywhere. I'm kind of stuck in this tube under the water. Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> So, well, yeah, the, the filmography was, uh, fantastic. Um, and then something related to that, to the soundtrack. I don't know if you're aware of it, but Hans Zimmer, um, did the soundtrack for this movie. He is, yeah, he is like one of the biggest names in movie soundtracks. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, always does a great job. Actually, I have a fun time. Um, you'll actually realize and recognize if if you dig into it enough and look up the movies that he's done soundtracks to, and you listen to the main themes, you can actually catch um, similarities between different movies. Mm-hmm. I think I think one is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and um, Gladiator. Yeah, uh, I think that's one that I picked up on. Um, just randomly i didn't realize that was him and then i had to look it all up but yeah good soundtrack um and i guess kind of some memorable scenes we brought up along the way um the pivoting point when everything hits the fan and denzel washington takes action and removes ramsey from captain that's like a huge scene basically like every time there's the quote unquote mutiny because it happens three times it's it's a huge pivotal scene and a lot going on because there's the exchange of power and then you've got gene hackman going up against denzel washington um but we talked about some of the times you talked about the silver surfer dialogue um that's a good one i i talked about um i think Two of the main ones for me, one I already mentioned was when Gene Hackman pulled the gun and threatened Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. But then the other one is, and this is where they start really diving into showing you the difference between Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, where there is a officer's meeting, or maybe it was like officer's mess hall and they're eating and just having a general discussion and it turns into a discussion on war and politics. And that really shows you Denzel Washington's thought process of his character. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and that's always a, a scene that sticks out and I think is uh, really interesting because not only, I mean, the focus is on, okay, who, who is Denzel Washington's character, but it also sheds more light on how Gene Hackman character thinks and reacts. So did you, uh, did you have any other scenes that we, well, that we did discuss or didn't discuss that you wanted to mention? Um, no, it's the ones that really like stood out to me. Like I said, was 
you know, Denzel's kind of way of line delivery and just those, uh, that dialogue, the couple lines of dialogue that were written by Tarantino that really stood out to me. Just the, the everyday conversation. Um, I think the conversation he has about Star Trek, too. There's mm-hmm. another one that Tarantino wrote. and That would make sense, because I think Tarantino's a big Star Trek fan. Yeah. But yeah, that's... I think... Man, really, those are the ones that really stand out to me. Other than, like, the, the dialogue with... Um, Denzel and Gene Hackman back and forth. Mm-hmm. I guess another scene that's really weird to me is when Gene Hackman's walking his uh, dog, <laughs> and the dog just like takes a pee inside a submarine. Yeah, and like Denzel's character looks down at it, and then like kind of looks at Gene Hackman, but doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of the yeah that was one of those. Uh, moments where you see the dynamic of this is an old naval captain who's been around forever and they just let him do whatever he wants yeah with this little jack russell terrier (laughs) yeah every time i see a jack russell terrier i think oh wishbone (laughs) i know right (laughs) or eddie from frazier nice well uh I think that's most of it kind of for uh, general discussion and everything. Um, anything to mention before moving into like facts and trivia? No, I don't think so. I got a, a few things for facts and trivia. All right, Rock, I will let you uh, take that over then. Okay. So since the U.S. Navy would not cooperate with the filming, the French Navy allowed the use of their... Um, triumphant class ballistic missile submarines along with the aircraft carrier Foch, I believe you say it, F-O-C-H, for several scenes. So it's not hmm. even like a U.S. submarine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scene in which the USS Alabama is diving for the first time is footage of a real submarine submerging. Um, Tony Scott was following along in a helicopter getting the shots of the ship. When the captain of the Alabama requested that the helicopter cease filming, they submerged in which, uh, Tony Scott was hoping for anyway. Okay. Yeah. So Hmm. Denzel Washington took the role of this movie. So he would have an opportunity to, and quote, be in there jousting with a master. Okay. Yeah, so the reason he took this was because he got to work with Gene Hackman and have, like, that dialogue and kind of play off him. Dude, it was perfect, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So I got some kind of... The last couple I got here are um, casting options, which we always seem to have these, and they're interesting. So Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, who are the producers of this, Mm-hmm. Originally offered Val Kilmer one of the headlining roles, but he declined. Uh, it was years later that Kilmer noted that it was one of his few few films that he wished he would have done. Mm. Um, the role offered to Kilmer by Simpson and Bruckheimer was never specified. Mm-hmm. Um, Val Kilmer is one of those guys that's notorious for turning many roles down. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard that. Honestly, like I don't know. When's the last time you've watched a Val Kilmer movie? But Val Kilmer was a great actor, and he's still a pretty good actor, but he just doesn't do very much. Yeah. Well, I don't know when it was. He kind of, um, I don't know if I would say went off the deep end, you know? (laughs) He kind of got labeled as that um, difficult to work with. Okay. For numerous reasons. Um, And that's kind of like a death sentence for actors <laughs> which you get labeled difficult to work with then nobody really like even attempts to work with you but that's kind of odd that he would turn down so many roles then if he doesn't have that many opportunities you know yeah um man i'm trying to think there's another big name actor too that turns down a lot of roles 
Uh, uh, the one that I think of all the time is, oh crap, why can't I think of his name? Daniel Day to... Lewis is another one that does. Yeah, that. that's. I was stuck on Christopher. <laughs> I knew, uh, but yeah, Daniel Day Lewis was who I was trying to think of. But yeah. but his is that he he gets so into his roles that he commits to it so long that he he needs goes to feel, Yeah, he needs to feel like a connection to the character to yeah to, to truly like take the role. Mm-hmm. But I think the last uh, Val Kilmer movie I saw was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do too much anymore. He's got a lot of appearances. I mean, nothing um not a lot, you know, of main roles or anything, but he has made a lot of appearances since then. Yeah. Anyways. So, Tommy Lee Jones passed on the part of Captain Ramsey. That could have worked, but Gene Hackman definitely did a better job. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gene Hackman, I think, is a better actor, but Tommy Lee Jones is also a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me laugh because another kind of Similar movie, definitely not as high quality, um, Under Siege, <laughs> with Tommy Lee Jones in it, yeah, uh, and Steven Seagal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, kind of similar. I guess the only way it's really similar is it takes place in the water. <laughs> yeah, on a big I, ship. He Tommy Lee Jones could have pulled it off, but it definitely would not have uh, been as successful as it was. Yeah. So here's another um, few actors that were considered. Al Pacino was originally offered the role of Captain Ramsey. Uh, Warren Beatty was also interested in the movie. Okay. Um, And then uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer went through a long period trying to convince him to sign on before... um, all the parties just kind of moved on. Hmm. So kind of interesting. I mean, I think Gene Hackman was the best choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, We mentioned before too, that these two characters sometimes can be kind of interchangeable with the roles that they play. But I was thinking of this watching the movie, like Robert Duvall could have also played that character. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think Al Pacino would have done a decent job as well. Yeah, I think so. He he might have been a little more intense. Yeah, I think he would have been. I, I think it would go Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, and then um, Tommy Lee Jones, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like uh, Hackman does a better job of playing more of a villain than Tommy Lee Jones does because a lot of times, even when Tommy Lee Jones is playing a villain, you know, like in under siege, like I mentioned, and you know, when he played two face in the Batman movie. Yeah. Um, that he's still likable. Yeah. Where Hackman can make you like hate him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just a few minutes later, make you like him again. Yeah, uh, he he has a wider range, in my opinion. Hackman does. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, um, you know, he can be likable, he can be unlikable, but his his range, like, let's say one you really like like somebody, ten you really hate somebody. Tommy Lee Jones can go between like a three and a seven, kind of. I would say, mm-hmm. but Gene Hackman can go from a one to a ten. Like, oh yeah, both extremes on the turn of a dime. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, and that is basically all I have for trivia and facts. Rock. Uh, well, that brings us to the end where we give our ratings. Uh, but before we give our ratings, we like to talk about uh, what it's already been rated. And so I I already got spoiled with IMDb, so I'll share that um, before we guess or before I guess on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, this on IMDb was given a seven point three. Mm-hmm. 
which is uh, pretty solid. I feel like it could probably be higher, but yeah, I would agree with that. So, uh, and then you said you've looked up Rotten Tomato, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, so we've got the critics and the what did they say? Audience. There we go. I always want to say fans. Uh, So I have not seen this. So if I have to guess on a critic, um, I feel like they would have received this one pretty well. So I want to go with like uh, 87. Dude, you're very close. It's an 88. Oh, my gosh. I thought about saying 88. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, maybe it's a little high. I'll go 87. Dang it, man. I don't think I've ever hit Rotten Tomatoes. I've hit IMD before. Yeah. You have. All right. Uh, so audience then yeah audience I'll, I'll give you a hint it's a little bit lower okay i i was gonna guess that uh because it kind of seems like when i don't know yeah there are interesting times when you can tell where like oh yeah the critics are going to be more favorable with this one than the audience and i kind of anticipated that coming into this uh i'll go with uh 82 is an 83. <laughs> oh my gosh, dang it. I don't think you could have planned that. No, dang it, so close. All right, well, um, yeah, so that will move us into our rings then on a five-point scale. Brandon, I'll let you go first if you want to. Yeah. Um, you know, like we said, talking about it earlier, that the dialogue is amazing in this movie. Um the acting is really great. Uh, the cast is really strong. Uh, just the environment, the the sense of like where everything is on the ship is pretty remarkable. Um, exploring the space of it, showing the different rooms, showing the different crew and all that kind of stuff um, really made me kind of get familiar with the, the, the submarine itself. Uh, which was rather impressive. Uh, the score was pretty good. Um, I will say that there are kind of some points at the beginning where it drags a little bit at times. Uh, the movie is over two hours long. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, and I don't think they really could have cut much off from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm fine with the runtime. Um, I, I do feel like it's one of those movies that like, it's, it's a great movie, but you kind of have to be in the mood to watch it. Yeah. It's not something you can just pick up and put on and, um, just have on in the background and catch every once in a while. It's one you really have to pay attention to. You have to hear the dialogue. You have to really get a sense of what's going on in the movie and the scenes. Um, and you know, that, for that reason, I can't really like give it a full on five, but I do really appreciate the quality of, you know, the filmography, the the acting, the dialogue, all that. Um, so my my score for it is a is a four out of four point five out of five. Okay. Just because it's not something that I'm going to like pick up and watch numerous times. You know, I'll definitely watch it again, but it's not something I'm going to reach for, you know, to come back to. Rock, I got gotcha. you. And I officially hate you now, so. <laughs> hey, I liked it more than Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think Oscar was a nostalgic one for me. Actually, that's going to come up in conversation in some movies that we're going to be doing in the next couple months. Yeah, Oscar is one of those you have to experience it because you have to see Stallone acting like a goofball. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And also, like, for me, that was drastically different because I watched it as a kid. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely more kid-friendly. So Yeah. Yeah, if you guys uh, missed that one, that was uh, definitely an interesting one you could go back and listen to. Um, Well, so for me with this movie, um, I've kind of pivoted a little bit how I rate things, as I said, where it's just like, I used to be like, okay, could anybody watch this and enjoy it? And I'm recognizing as, okay, this is a military movie. Mm -hmm. In this genre and in the grand scope of things, how do I rate this? Um, 
Fantastic job. Uh, I, there's really nothing that I'm going to say that is very different from what you were saying. I mean, all the the highs and the lows of it, where I, I definitely do agree with you. Probably the the low point, which isn't even really all that low, but if you had to pick a low part of this movie, it is that the beginning is a little bit slow and they extended the movie maybe a little bit longer than it needed to be. But that's, you know splitting hairs yeah it's just nitpicking at this point yeah so i um i i didn't mention this earlier but it's kind of interesting because this movie was i feel like the first experience for me with uh as people like to label uh naval language um or navy language i don't know if that's a common terminology but uh like the explicity of uh the dialogue and everything. I mean, this came out in 1995. <laughs> Sailor so I, talk. Sailor talk. Yeah. Um, uh, this came out in 1995. I know I didn't see it w- right when it came out, but I was, it was not all that much later that I watched it. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, so it was kind of, an experience for me in that way. And so I've loved watching it many times after that, um, just to be able to get more out of it each time from noticing mm. little things. Um, but I am easily giving this five out of five. And the biggest part that it is the foundation of that score is the acting and the dynamic built between Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. Uh, it would not, uh, as we were discussing before, like if you swapped either of them out with someone else, there's no way that this would get five out of five for me. I could get, depending, maybe I could give it 4.5, but they make this movie a five out of five for me. So, <laughs> But what if it was Tom Hanks as one of the characters? <laughs> <laughs> if Tom Hanks could have played Captain Ramsey and become somebody that, you wanted to hate it would be possible but i have never seen him play uh i've seen him play some roles that i didn't uh, that he was unlikable but Mm -hmm. i didn't hate him this gene hackman i hated his guts man (laughs) so yeah but uh yeah five out of five for me um yeah, does come recommended. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, would uh, tell you to definitely check it out. Rock. All right. Uh, anything else about Crimson Tide uh, before closing things off? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, uh, so this month is kind of the transition month. Uh, we are moving away from topic episodes. So I believe next week is the last one i think so um and so that is going and i'm I'm really glad that we kind of fit this in before finishing it because i i've always enjoyed this conversation um just with friends uh you know when you're hanging out or when you're watching a movie and it comes up um but we are going to be talking about best movie villains uh best movie villains will be the topic for next week so uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, we've been upping our con- weekly content, so hopefully you've been checking that out on uh, Twitter or on Facebook. We've got uh, more movie and entertainment stuff going up each week. And if you guys ever have any recommendations for something that you would like us to watch and review, let us know. Uh, we're going to be putting out... Uh, each month in advance and if you haven't picked up on it yet uh and what we're focusing on more moving forward is we're going to be having themes for each month so you kind of get a theme for the month on the weekly episode so and as always be kind rewind